I think that this is a very important podcast. And I want to take a second just to thank our guest for coming on today and taking time out of her very busy schedule. Because if you are like me and you hear the phrase auditor controller, it's very hard to know what the truth is surrounding that situation. There's a lot, there's just a lot out there regarding our guest, regarding the position and the work that has been done over the past few years. My only hope for what you take away from this podcast is that when you go to the election booth on June 7th, you will have the information available to you so that you can make an informed vote. I'm not going to tell you what that right vote is. I just hope that this podcast will help lead you to the truth. Lead us all to the truth. Because going into this, I wasn't sure what that was. And I hope for you, the listener, this podcast helps like it did me. And I hope the subsequent information that comes out around this, because I'm sure there's more to this story and more will unfold. I hope we all get the clarity that we as taxpayers, and more importantly, we as residents of Humboldt County, and people who want a better future, the truth that we deserve. I hope that that comes to light. And it sounds like it is. So, that being said, again, a huge thank you to our guest. I truly enjoyed this conversation. It was a heavy, it was a heavy conversation, but I could not be more grateful that we were able to have it. So, please give it up for Karen Paz. Dominguez. Tell me when. Oh, How's that? Perfect. Oh, awesome. Oh, I want this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know it'd be nice, right? If you could just get locked in like that and then you'd be you'd be set for whatever. Yeah. You wouldn't have to yell at anybody, you wouldn't have to raise your voice. No. Um, which I'm sure you are no stranger to because you are kind of in the midst of a crazy campaign. I crazy don't... crazy term is auditor, I would say. I don't know what you mean. Really? Oh. Oh. Quiet. Calm seas. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Outside perspective, I guess. Um uh. Do you yeah. want to just, because I had no idea what an auditor, auditor controller was before you, and I'm not sure I would have known had it not been for you. You were definitely very public for an accountant, I would say. You were definitely out in the the world view of everything that's going on in the county right now. Yeah, that was not planned. Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> Can you do me a favor? Just pull that a oh. little bit closer to your mouth. Perfect. Is this good? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, it wasn't planned. Uh, there's no class in... When you're studying for an accounting degree, there's no class called public, you know, figure. Yeah. Or <laughs> How to politics. handle television. Yeah, no, nothing like that. Um, and actually, government accounting was only one semester of the whole program. And it was shared with nonprofit accounting. Was that a training program that they put you through? 
No, it's the, 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 what is it called? Like the, oh, it's been so long since I was at school. The course study. For it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You need, I think, 64 or 68 units to graduate. There's the lower division and the upper division. The upper division is where you start getting into auditing, taxation, all the different fields. Oh, you're talking about just majoring in accounting? Yeah. Oh, wow. The government accounting part was so small that it shared a semester with nonprofit accounting. Yeah, they probably didn't plan on a situation like you're in. No. You're just having to talk to basically the whole media all the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, um, I used to say that my dream job was to be left alone in a closet with my calculator and a pencil. <laughs> kind of the opposite where you are now. Does that yeah. bother you? Are you kinda, no. No. You're uh, happy. I've always been extroverted. Okay. So I've never shied away from public speaking or meeting new people. I love parties. I love having fun and getting to know people. But I also really enjoyed accounting, and I loved that focus time of just me and my numbers. Well, I, I guess in this instance, you kind of get the best of both worlds then with that to some degree. Because you get to be extroverted, you get to be in front of the camera, but you also get to do that behind-the-scenes work. Yeah. When I took the position of assistant auditor-controller... I had no intention of being on TV or being a public figure. I didn't even really know. Much like you didn't know what the Auditor Controller was or does, I was applying to be the assistant. I Googled Auditor Controller when I saw the job post, and it just said the Chief Accounting Officer for the county. That was the whole job description. That's it. I knew about the supervisors. You know, they get to be on TV every week. They get to sit on the dais and make decisions. So I, that's what I thought was their position. And the accountants were, we're over there here in, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, in our little closet. Um, but when I started the job, I saw the department was struggling. It was nothing like what I had seen in the private industry where I was doing public accounting with CPAs. There, it's there's structure, there's order. Everything has backup to it. You don't just sign reports. You don't just pay bills without copies of the actual bill. And to come to the county and find that the department was struggling so much that staff was getting depressed. Staff wasn't showing up to work. Um, it was very different. It was a culture shock for me to go from these fast-paced accounting firms to a very sad auditor-controller department. And I liked the people there. They were fun people. They're just so overworked and stressed out because there's so much burden and responsibility put on them without very many resources. Has that been a recurring theme through previous auditor controllers, or is this just because of COVID and all this added stress that's fallen on your shoulders? No, that's what I walked into. That's what you walked into? Yeah. Flip that around for you so you don't have to keep looking at that. Uh, I was wondering what that was. Yeah. Um, that's what you walked into That's what this, I walked into. You were handed mm -hmm. this and situation. It had, it had been that way for a while. Um, the department was without an assistant auditor controller for the seven months previous to me being there. So a lot of the staff was carrying extra workloads. And what I understood was that there, you know, the housing crash in 2007 and 2008 impacted the department because they had to, you know, take budget cuts and lose staff. But and they were still feeling that in 2018 when you joined on? Oh, yeah, wow. because there's no rest. There's no period of rest 
for that office. It's the central accounting office for the county organization. So it's for all the departments, the special districts, and the schools districts. What, how, how would I describe it? Oh, I know, I know. You're brushing your teeth, but then you want to eat. So you eat an Oreo. Now you've got Oreos all over your mouth, but you have to keep brushing your teeth. When is your mouth going to be clean? Because you're also still eating Oreos and you're brushing your teeth. You can't get back to having a fully clean mouth because you're constantly being fed Oreos. That's what it feels like to work in the office of the auditor controller. That sounds like a hectic environment. Yeah, and that was before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to the board meeting that very first time as the assistant, I actually had the support of the auditor controller at the time. I wrote a speech and I gave it to him. And I was like, here, do you want to come? Do you want to go say it? We need help. We need staff. And he said, I'm not going. You go. You sure? I think you're the one that's supposed to go. And he said, no, I'm not going. Go ahead. Have fun. He knew what you were in for. I, he did. And he warned me that I might not get the results that I'm looking for. But I was so new and so naive about politics. Mm -hmm. Star-eyed. Yeah. I thought, surely, if you provide people facts and figures, they'll make the right decision. I didn't know that there were other parts at play, like who you know and who you're friends with and what other people's priorities are. So when you first started, which was back in 2018. 17. 2017. As the assistant. Okay. So when you first started and it became apparent that there were these staffing issues that you guys were having and that staff was overwhelmed and you went to the Board of Supervisors meeting, did they do anything to try to accommodate that, to try to help you guys out? Or they just said, you figure it out. You guys have to handle what you have to handle. This is the job. Um, so my predecessor was right. I didn't get the results that I was looking for. And the only reason I even went to the board in the first place is because I had exhausted all other avenues. I sent a request to HR. They said they weren't the ones to make those decisions that I needed to communicate with the CAO. I asked the CAO to include in their recommendations to the board that they give us more staff. They said no, that they were not going to include it, but that I always had three minutes of public comment that I could use my public comment. I thought, oh, okay, that must be how you talk to the board then. And that's why I went to the board meeting. I knew nothing about Lost Coast Outpost. I knew nothing about even it being televised. I knew that I saw like their pictures on Time Standard sometimes. I wasn't really into politics. I still would rather not be into politics. But I was very surprised that after that meeting, I read that first Las Coast Outpost article about me and a, the response of the of a supervisor who said that if I had been his number two, he would have shit himself and fired somebody. And I went to my predecessor and I was like, what, what did I do? Who is this guy? Why would he say this? And he just kind of laughed it off. And he said, welcome. That's what he said to you. Mm -hmm. This is this is what it's like. Did you get, were you discouraged by that? I mean, I would imagine oh, no. coming in, Challenge that would have been a hard accepted. blow. Oh, you were ready for it. Yeah. I was like, no, you're kidding me, right? Because this is the office that protects public funds. And I kind of haven't lost that. <laughs> I know sometimes I probably should not be so aggressive about wanting to do the right thing. 
or at least that's what I'm told. <laughs> but I can't help that feeling of wanting to do this for the public. That's the purpose of the office. That's why we're there in the first place. That's why there's an elected auditor controller. It's because we're supposed to represent the people who don't have a seat at the table, who aren't here with us. And so being silenced in that way felt like, oh, you're challenging the public. No, no, no. The public has rights. And I kind of just became that person of, I'm going to speak up if no one else is going to. Did you get a lot of pushback from the auditor controller at the time or from within your own department where you were just the assistant and you were no, my, trying to... No, my predecessor, um, he and I got along. Um, he wasn't as extroverted as I am. He didn't like to talk a lot. When you said podcast, I was like, I'm there. I love to talk. <laughs> um, we bonded over accounting things. We would talk about journal entries and fund balance and taxation. And I could see that spark in his eye that he loved the accounting parts too. It's always the other side that kind of feels less than exciting. The politics of it. The politics. Um, he didn't give me any pushback when it came to talking to the board or even enforcing rules. Sometimes he would get frustrated because the rules I would enforce would generate pushback from other departments. And so he would sometimes say, oh, just do what they want. I don't want their, I don't want them to call me anymore. And he was the boss. So I, you know, respected his authority. And whenever he said that's enough, that was enough. Yeah. But he and I got along. And he just didn't want you stirring the pot because it came down on him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've talked with him twice since he left. And both times I... It was me apologizing to him for not being even more supportive of him than I was. That now that having been in this position, I realize how lonely it can be to be the one person having to say no when everyone else is saying yes. Um, and that I didn't recognize that, that that was his struggle. And that maybe that's why he wasn't as energized anymore. You kind of get beaten down being the public face of all that. You can be, yeah. If you do the job right, apparently. <laughs> or if you try to. Do you... So you've talked to him twice since you've assumed the role. Mm -hmm. Do you have his support now? Is he kind of like, yeah, this is what this is what happens. If you try to... You start shaking the tree, some things are going to fall down that you might not like. That is what he has said consistently. Um, his last words to me at the last, the last time we spoke were, hang in there. Remember, he's not an extrovert, and he's not a man of a lot of words, but just those words that he does say mean a lot to me, because here's someone who went through it for, I think, about a decade, and he's telling me to hang in there. That oh. means something coming from him. Mm -hmm. If he had told me, like, you suck, get out, <laughs> then I'd probably have to reconsider what I'm doing, but the fact that ha him having gone through the public shaming that he did and still telling me to hang in there it was encouraging was there as much controversy surrounding his time as auditor controller as is surrounding you now and even back then when you started running or has well, this kind of been unique for you in that you're you're just getting all of this there's been some aspects of this experience that have been completely unique to me just like covid 
was unique. But he did have challenges with the board and being in public meetings where supervisors would kind of attack him while he was there at the podium. But there was no Lost Coast outpost. This news blog is pretty new to the county. And had they been around 10 years ago, maybe we'd see more stories the way that we do now. Uh, but you can find stories about the Auditor Controller in the North Coast Journal and in Time Standard going back decades. And so it's just the rise of Lost Coast that has kind of amplified all of that for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then COVID. So the majority of my term has been during the pandemic. And I don't think that our office has received adequate consideration of that by the board. Um, they would like for everyone to be understanding that the county is trying its best to keep up with the pandemic, but they don't extend that consideration to our office. We're expected to perform and be perfect, and any slip-up calls for an article. Yeah, it seems like you and the, the board of supervisors are kind of at ends with each other a lot of the time. It appears that way because it's written that way. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we all have lively debates at a board. We're not debates, but discussion. There's active dialogue. And then what you'll see in that blog post is embattled auditor controller, berated. They'll use adjectives and scandalous words to describe just we asked each other some questions. Like there was a meeting where it said that Supervisor Bushnell was grilling me. No, she was just asking me questions and I was more than happy to answer them. But that won't get you that many clicks. Well, to be fair, I mean, it has gotten, some of them have been a little heated. Yeah. Some accusations have been thrown, some pointed words. I mean, it's, they definitely punch it up. I think with any news organization, you know, they have to try to get their clicks in. Mm-hmm. But I, I, okay, so walk me back. So 2018 mm -hmm. is when you're first running. You assume office in 2019, and this is going to be your first term. Yeah. You know what you're up against, or you kind of had an idea of what you're up against, right? Mm -hmm. You've gone to the first board of supervisors meeting, and yet in 2018, there's this first investigation report into you. Did that come as a shock? Did you know that that was coming? Were you blindsided by that? Because it sounds like from your stance, your your perspective is, I'm here, I'm going to do my job. And if you don't like me, that's unfortunate, but I'm here to do my job. I'm going to work for the people. That seems to be what you're presenting, right? Yes. So to have that come as you're running for election, that's got to be a hard pill to swallow. No. no. I, they've prepared me for this, right? Uh, they've been constantly throwing things at me while I'm trying to juggle. Even back to 2018. Me. Yeah. That first time. Wow. You can find articles about conflict with our offices dating back to 2017, 2018. Um, that investigation report being released now did come as a surprise because I've been asking for it since 2018. Oh, and they wouldn't give it to you? No. Oh, I didn't know that. But now it's okay to give it to me. Do you feel like that was intentional where you're Absolutely. running for re-election? Yeah. 100%. Um, can I, why? Well, I, I know it's a podcast. I don't know if people can see, but I need to use visuals. Oh, I, you can do, yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it's recording. <laughs> I talk with my hands sometimes. 
So let's picture this is the office of the auditor controller. On this side of the office are the offices of the auditor and the assistant. Then it's a big wide space, no other offices until you hit the other end of the office. That's where payroll used to be before it was taken out to go to HR. There was a wall right around here. 75% of the office was auditor controller and then 25 was payroll. It was a makeshift wall that the payroll staff put up because they wanted that separation. When I came to the office, I understood that my job description included overseeing the day-to-day -day operations of the office, which include payroll. Remember that there had been a seven-month period with no assistant auditor controller. So this group of people was very accustomed to running their own show, managing their own time without any oversight. My predecessor was not very much engaged with the day-to-day -day operations, so he left everybody to their own devices. He trusted that they were doing what they needed to do, and only when he heard about complaints would he then get involved. He said, go ahead, do your job. Uh, there wasn't much in the way of training when I took the position. I started going over to the payroll side to try to understand what do you all do? How do your schedules line up with the rest of the office? Trying to understand why is there this wall if we're all in the same office and we're not actually separate divisions or di separate offices. What I didn't understand is that, you know, politics. There's certain people that you can't go ask questions of. There's certain people who are going to be more open about what they do because they're more secure. And then there's others who maybe don't have that job security who are afraid to let you see what they do. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that investigation report. Yeah, I got, I got about halfway through okay. the redacted report. Yeah. Did you see the section about how the complaint was that I asked, what are you working on today? Yes. And there was one section that kind of caught me off guard. It was in a 10-day period. You had called somebody into your office four times to ask them what they were doing over 10 days. I can't even tell you that that's true because I don't remember that at all. Um, and I also looked for emails that corroborated that. I, I couldn't find any. I do remember walking over there myself and asking, what are you guys working on today? In that tone, because I thought we were friendly. I mean, we were even Facebook friends at that time. It wasn't until the kitchenette situation. That was a big part of the, mm -hmm. the report as well. So I was there in the office one morning, and it was like 6 or 7 a.m. And the public works facilities people came into the office. They just stormed right in. And I was like, what's happening? What's going on? And they said, the, you blew out the fuse, or I don't know what they said. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm not doing anything. And they were walking around the office trying to find something. They're like, a fuse blew. We need to fix it. Then they arrived at the kitchenette area that was over there in the payroll side. And they were like, this is the problem. You can't, you can't do this. And they're yelling at me as if I've done whatever it was that was wrong. And I was like, what is it that's wrong? You can't plug everything in into one outlet. So <laughs> something else you need to understand about our office, we don't have outlets on the wall. We have monuments that stick out from the ground, and that's what you plug things into. Oh, like those little ground towers that mm -hmm. they have. 
Oh, that's weird. Some of them are even exposed wires. Some of them have an actual outlet that looks like what you would see on a wall. And that had a surge protector plugged into it. The surge protector was hanging. um, It wasn't on the ground. It was hanging because connected to the surge protector was a refrigerator, a toaster, a Keurig, and a microwave. And all of those cables were barely reaching it so much that it lifted it off the floor. And all of these things were feeding into this one exposed monument. And so they were like, you need to take that off. You need to unplug that. So I did. The payroll staff was upset about it. I told them, we have a break room on the other side of the office where we have a full-size fridge. There's a coffee maker, a toaster, a microwave, everything else that you have here, you have over there. This isn't safe. And that was enough. They complained to my predecessor. It was February of 2018. I remember because I was traveling to a training. And I came back from the training. It was a Friday. February 19th or 20. And he said, stay away from payroll. And I said, why? What's happening? They complained about you. Just leave them alone. Don't go over there to payroll. And I was like, but it's in my job description that I'm supposed to oversee payroll. How can I not do my job? Right? Will I be evaluated on this later? Can Are you going to change my job description? And he said, no, just don't worry about it. Just leave it alone. He said some things that I did not think were reasonable for him to say in his position about these people, um, which resulted in a separate complaint uh, that I filed for inappropriate. Hmm. Something demeaning or? Um, this, I mean, this isn't a secret because it was reported by North Coast Journal back in 2018. Um what he said to me at the time was they're hormonal. Just ignore them. It's a mean girls club. And I thought, you can't say that about women in the workplace. So I filed a complaint to, to standing up for these people that were also complaining about me. Um, and so I was like, okay, I respect your authority. I won't go over there. That was February of 2018. Two or three months later, there was an article written on another blog post, Wordsworth. I think the the blogger is John Shiv, because the payroll team had f- written a letter of no confidence against me. It was three of them that signed it, but they wrote it to read, we in the office, we in the auditor controller's office. They delivered it to HR, and then someone in HR released it to the public. And you could tell that because the letter itself had the received by personnel stamp. Uh, the letter was written to the board of supervisors. So it was apparently public for that reason. That's why I knew there was going to be something coming because, oh, now they've written this letter, even though I haven't talked to them in two months. I haven't engaged with them at all since I was told to stay away from payroll. And then uh, there was the investigation, which I participated in. I was interviewed once. And I was, I think, one of the first interviews. So they interviewed everybody else after me and then I never got an opportunity for a follow-up or to respond to anything that was said. Um, I asked, can I have the results? No, it's confidential. But I'm the one they're complaining about. I should be able to see what's on the report. No, it's confidential. And I think because I was pushing it so much, we got called into a meeting with HR. At this point, it's August of 2018. 
my predecessor had resigned and retired in April of 2018, and the board had appointed an interim auditor controller, who happens to be my opponent today. Cheryl. Mm-hmm. She was my boss. And uh, the HR director at the time was Lisa DiMatteo. Lisa DiMatteo called us into a meeting. She wanted to talk to us about the results of the investigation. It was her, the assistant HR director, Cheryl, and I. Lisa DiMatteo told me and Cheryl that the complaints did not meet the threshold for HR to pursue any action against me, but they wanted to encourage Cheryl to take action against me. That, you know, these complaints, even though they don't meet the threshold, they're still complaints and that she should do something about it. She didn't. She chose not to. Because that those complaints, as you saw or will see when you finish the report, they're, they're a joke. And I've, it's taken me a long time to say that out loud. It wasn't until I saw the report a couple of weeks ago or months ago, what is time, uh, that I was like, oh my God, this is the thing. This is the big report that I couldn't see in 2018. This is the great offense that I asked, what are you working on? Oh, you know, I'm losing it. And I responded with a parody video. I did. I saw you. I saw your video, and I was, uh, I was laughing for sure. Oh my I was God. laughing. You had some great, some interesting edits in there with the whole redactions and hashtag PizzaGate 2018. Oh God. I couldn't believe it. Like this was the thing I lost sleep over. This was the thing. Oh. What did you think when you heard? Because at least up to the point that I've made it. Um, there's a lot of talk about stress and anxiety and that some of these employees feel like you're pitting divisions against each other and your demeanor and your tone are, are causing them extra undue stress and one employee had to upper anti-anxiety medication and all this stuff. What did you think about when you heard that? Um, I don't remember reading about the upping the anxiety medication. Mm-hmm. I think to... she was on. She was already on it, and she had to up her dose or something. I think it said in the report. Oh shoot! I wish I could remember that part. Um, well, so when I walked into the office, there was a makeshift wall. I didn't create the division; it was already there, and it was created specifically by them. When I took the position of assistant auditor controller, they actually asked me to build a real wall. They asked me to purchase sound panels, soundproof panels, so that they wouldn't have to hear the staff on so the other side. So they wanted to be... Yes. Sep- payroll wanted to be separated from your direct staff. Yes. Okay. And that is documented in emails. That's documented in quotes. I mean, they actually did the research for these panels and these walls and sent it to me to request that I pay for it. So it was very surprising for me to read in this report that they felt that I was creating division because I didn't feel like I was. And when my boss told me, stay away, I listened. It was actually a relief for me. One less thing for me to do, great. That I won't be penalized for later, great. That's where my perspective is coming from. When I read that they felt anxious, it was surprising to me, because one, nobody ever communicated that to me. If anyone had, of course I would have apologized or tried to understand what is it that I did to hurt you so that I don't do it again. But it's not until right now that I'm running for re-election that this report even comes out. And I can't even ask them for 
an explanation because they're gone. They don't work here anymore. Was it surprising in the report? And I wish I, like, obviously it doesn't say who it is or what, what division they're in or what department they're from, but it says that at least in one of the witness accounts that they tried to counsel with you repeatedly and tried to say, hey, these are the problems or tried to counsel on behalf of other staff and that that was just not received. I don't think that that's true. Um, I communicated with the auditor controller's side. I say it's side because the wall. Mm. I communicated with them on a regular basis. We had meetings. Um, every, anytime someone wanted to actually communicate officially with me, I asked for email. I'm a big believer in documentation. It's what saves us all. It's receipts. Um, and really, it wouldn't have been appropriate for anyone to counsel me on that. It would have had to come from my boss or from someone in HR. The reason why I'm comfortable saying that I don't feel like that's true is because there are so many things in that report that are wildly made up. For example, if I'm the assistant auditor controller of this official government agency, do you think I would invite an employee to meet me outside so that I can give them marijuana? That was a that was an interesting curveball that I did not expect to see. It wasn't that you invited her you invited her to meet outside. It was, I believe, a suggestion of, oh, well, you could smoke weed to help with the stress. Because I want to get sued. I was I was surprised to see that in there. I was surprised to see that in there. Wild. Um, so that wasn't true. That never no. that never took place. No. And also, like, there's a dispensary across the street every block. Like, go get your own weed if you need it. Why? It just, it doesn't make sense. Well, are county employees drug tested? No, I don't. Well, actually, some might be. Okay. I think the sheriffs have to be. Oh, yeah, definitely the sheriffs, but I wasn't sure if... Maybe probation? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if, like, your department or where that line gets drawn. No, there's never been a policy that I've read that requires any county staff to be drug tested mm -hmm. outside of the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There were other things in there that I thought were wild, um, like a conversation that absolutely never took place where I would be mad because someone said that I should spend time with my family. Oh, yeah. And that then one... your demeanor changed towards her and you started... That one offended me because it just seems so, I don't know what the word is. I don't know what the word is, but it, it offended me because I've never, that's never happened. I hear a lot from people that I work too much and I should spend time with my family. That doesn't offend me. That's somebody sharing what they think, their opinion. Um, I spend, I find ways to spend time with my family. Like right now, it's the busiest time ever, right? I have to work, do the job, and also run for the job. So at 5 o'clock, when it's time to switch gears, I'm in campaign mode. I'm at the campaign office. My husband, who I couldn't do any of this without, brings the kids there. He picks them up from school. We meet there. We have dinner at the campaign office. We spend time together, and then they have to go home to go to bed, and I keep working. Um, I live with my family, so I see them when I'm home. Um, my daughter is of texting age, <laughs> so I get tons of emojis throughout the day from her. I've never felt disconnected from my family because I work. So that one just felt like you're grasping at straws and making up stories to present an image that just isn't me. Did you try to push back on any of the findings from that report and say, hey, these some of this stuff didn't happen? I think there might be 
a misinterpretation or, or try to reach out to those people to clear any of that up? I just got the report about three weeks ago. Oh, when you made that video, that's when you that's, that's when you got it. I got that investigation report three days before I made the video. Was that released to the Board of Supervisors back in 2018? Or I don't know when they concluded that report. Uh, the report was concluded in August of 2018. I don't think it went anywhere. I asked for copies of it. I wanted to see it. I wanted to understand but it wasn't provided to me. I was told that it was confidential. Even the investigator himself told me in an email that it was all confidential. Uh, he called it attorney work product. So I never knew what was on it until three or four weeks ago. And I think because I had hyped it up so much in my head, I had I just imagining what it could say, imagining that I've hurt somebody, to see what it actually was and to read so many made-up stories about me. And that's why I just thought, this is a joke. I have to show people that it's a joke. But it's kind of gotten mixed reviews. Some people appreciate it for what it is. Like, oh, come on, you've had four years to do something about it and you bring it up now during a re-election campaign. Um, and so they've found humor in the video. Other people who don't really know me and who have only seen me at board meetings where I have to present a certain way or where they're only they've only read the negative articles about me they think oh see this proves that she's a monster uh can't please everybody but i feel i feel badly that the situation has gotten this bad um these there's three employees who uh are part of the, the complaint I know that because when their letter was released, the three names were visible. Oh, so you know who the three were. Yeah, I knew in 2018. The Did letter. That... any of them quit when you won and became the auditor controller in 2019? No. Everybody um, stayed. Well, they didn't work for me. They didn't work for the auditor controller. The payroll function was moved to HR before I took office. All of those three complaints came from payroll. Yeah. Nobody complained from... Directly from the auditor controller office. No. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, payroll was moved to HR while my while the interim auditor controller was the auditor controller. And your predecessor, I know you said that he didn't really kind of let everyone do their own thing. Was that the same for the auditor controller office directly? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know they actually, one of the people that complained passed away. A couple years ago, um, she and I were actually okay. Even after that investigation, even after that complaint, we still followed each other on Instagram. And it was very sad when she passed. Um, the other two stayed in HR until about a year ago. They One of them quit during the pandemic. And the other one was out on leave. She recently returned. The social media thing was another big aspect of that report in regards to Facebook. It mm -hmm. seemed like a, a, reoccurring, a reoccurring theme was that staff felt like you posting on Facebook was adding to their stress. That even though you were being ambiguous and making various ambiguous references to things that you didn't approve of, mm -hmm. they felt as though members that worked for the county that came to the office would know who it was about. And that added stress to their lives. I can definitely understand how 
that can happen. We'd live in a small town. Um, just like I was struggling when they released that report for, to the public because you can identify who the staff are that were witnesses because I mean, our department has 12 people. Um, so if you already work for the county, you know who everyone is. So I can definitely understand how that can be stressful. Um, the What I didn't agree with is the characterization within the report itself. It said quotes from my posts. It didn't include everything that I said. So some of the things were taken out of context. Luckily, the actual screenshots were included at the end of the report. And I just have to leave it up to people to go see the actual post and then compare it to what the report summarizes. So, well, the problem is how many people are actually going to read that report yeah. and not just <laughs> read the articles about the report. Yeah, that is a challenge. Yeah, especially where it's so heavily redacted. Getting through that is a bit of a bit of a bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the reason why in the video I made one of the jokes to be about just how redacted it is. It's because I thought, if you want me to improve, you got to tell me what I did, what it is that I need to imp improve. If I, I, I can't even understand what I've done. How can you fix it? Mm -hmm. So walk me through the Pizzagate thing, because that's, that's one of the things that I was struggling with, because it didn't seem like there was... I don't want to diminish anybody's... You know, if they felt they were caused stress, I don't want to diminish that. So yeah. I'm trying to understand how, because I, I got it. Like, oh, everyone that moves gets pizza and soda. Oh, if you went out to lunch and didn't help move, you don't get pizza and soda? That didn't seem that far of a stretch. Everyone was invited to have pizza. I, before COVID, when we could buy food and share food and have food all the time, our office had food every week. We would do potlucks. People would bake and bring things. I I don't cook or bake very well, so I bought things. <laughs> I bought pizza. I bought Chinese food. I bought pupusas because I wanted everyone to know my culture a little bit. Um, and this time, we were moving the office around because we were getting new furniture. The office that I walked into kind of looked like a junkyard because it was donated furniture from other departments that didn't match, like pieces of wood taped together, and that was somebody's desk and pieces of wood taped together. Yeah, there was a rinky dink bookcase that if you moved it a certain way, the whole thing falls down. Oh, so wow. they would prop it up with binders and like that's what the office was. And I made a friend over at DHHS and I was like, do you guys have any extra desks? And they were like, oh, yeah, we got a warehouse full of them can we have some? <laughs> and they sent over desks for us to have. So I was like, we're getting new to us desks. Let's move stuff around. And the staff was excited to do it. And so I bought pizzas and sodas and chips. Um, and I bought enough for everybody. We moved during, we started moving right before the lunch. And then I said, everyone's entitled to their lunch. You can go and come back. I'm going to keep working during lunch. So most of the staff stayed with me. They didn't mind. And we just moved furniture um, right around 1.30. So we've already been open for half an hour. Some of us are still trying to move stuff. That's when other, these staff walked in and they were like, ooh, pizza. And I was like, yeah, it's, we're all helping move. You gotta help us move, here's a box. And she was like, oh, I don't want to. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well you can't have pizza then. And we all laughed. I laughed. She laughed, everyone laughed, and I was like, I'm just kidding, go ahead, have the pizza. 
Oh, you gave her the pizza still? She, yes, she had pizza. See, now that's a problem because that and what the report says are very different. Mm-hmm. The report says that she went to reach for a slice of pizza and then in a very public display in front of the office, you were yelling that she couldn't have pizza because she didn't help move. And then one girl tried to stand up for another girl and say, oh, well, she did help move, but the other girl was so embarrassed she walked away or something. And then that was the end of the thing. I don't think that happened at all. It was a joke. She was in on the joke and then she had pizza anyway. I said, See, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, have that's pizza. That's the problem with the report like this, right? Not, I don't want to, I don't know, right? Obviously, because I wasn't there. So I'm mm-hmm. an impartial third party who only got halfway through a redacted document. But as I was reading through what I got through, it seemed like a lot of it is, I don't want to say like high school banter, but it's this, oh, she said this, she said that. They said this, and all I was thinking about through this was, okay, where's the proof? Where do we, do we have anything concrete of, because then it's cut and dry. Oh, she said this, here's, you know, an email about it here, some, I don't know, a video of the altercation would have been nice, but something a little more concrete than, I think they had, so it was three people that filed a complaint and an additional three witnesses. How many other witnesses were there? Oh, I don't remember exactly how many witnesses. Um, But it seems like it's a lot of hearsay right of, it's mostly oh, this hearsay. was my perception and if it is true that what you're saying went on well that's not in the document you only have this one side of the document i mean that must be fr- i'm over here frustrated for you and i don't even know what's what mm-hmm. um it was very frustrating to read that report so initially there was anger frustration and then i just had to laugh about it so I was like, what am I going to do now? It's a four-year-old report. But yeah, um, she did have pizza. Everyone had pizza. I always share food. I never not let people eat food. So it was the joke, and then she still got the pizza, mm-hmm. and that was the end of the thing. Did she say anything to you after, hey, that kind of made me uncomfortable, or hey, nothing? Nothing. Not once. And did you, are, did other staff in your department come forward and back you and say, hey, that's not what has anyone come out and spoken against the report or it's just been you so far uh there was one uh so far there's been one employee who surprised me and wrote a letter to the editor to time standard um where she described um a different version of me in the office i don't know if you've seen it it's i have not it's in the time standard and she used to work in the office in 2018 left the department and then came back since uh, 2021. And in her letter to the editor, she was very honest and said that she and I got off to a rocky start, but then we worked together, and now she's glad to be back and happy to work with me. But, I mean, there there were clearly other people when that pizza thing happened, Mm -hmm. right? And nobody else other than the people who filed the complaint and the witnesses that were interviewed, nobody else has come forward to corroborate either that side that's in the report or your side? Um, to Directly to me, yeah, I've gotten a, uh, the staff that can be identified that still work there have come to me and have said that, That's not what happened. That's, uh, that's not what happened. That's not what I told the investigator. The investigator was leading me on. Um, 
They said that to you, that yes. the investigator was leading them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were expressing frustration, and they said, you know, I got to tell someone. And I said, no, just leave it alone. I've actually asked them to just let it die, that it won't benefit anyone to keep it, keep the conflict going. And also, like, who would they speak up to, or how would they even... I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time picturing how it would make sense for them to come out now and say, that's me in the report. I don't know if it would help in the sense of them just coming forward and saying that's me would help. But them corroborating one side or the other would be helpful, I would imagine. Because it seems like a lot of the tension around you, especially with these other departments and the Board of Supervisors, it stems from you saying, hey, this is what I'm about. I'm about clarity and the truth and doing my job because that's what I was elected to do. And them saying, well, that's not what you're doing. You're not providing clarity. You're not doing your job. You're not taking these steps that you should be taking. And so someone in there is telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think from an outside perspective like mine, what my biggest problem is, is I'm reading all these Lost Coast articles. I'm watching you speak. I'm um, going through that report and there's no clarity. There's still no, okay, well, who, who is telling the truth here? Are there, are these claims against the board of soups and these other people, which we'll get into later, are those legitimate or are there claims against you that, you know, you're not an effective leader, that you are not, you are not doing what the job entails. You're not helping your staff are those true because somebody's got to be telling the truth it can't all be a lie i so i would assume that setting the standard with this especially in this case with this document where if it is slanderous that's a problem and if it's not slanderous and you saying it it is that's also a problem so i would imagine that trying to clear that up would be beneficial i don't know for everyone but definitely for you wouldn't it if they if staff came forward and said hey that didn't happen Right. Well, they've already come forward to me and yeah, have but told the pu- me that. Does the public know that? Well, he- here's the thing. Uh, my priority isn't exactly how people see me in the public. That's These are people I work with. These are people I share my time with, my space with. They know my family. I know theirs. It means the world to me that they even told me. That's not true. That's not what happened. This is what I told them. And, you know, he's saying the investigator was like, don't you think this is this? Like, that's how he was asking the questions. Not what do you remember seeing on this day at this time? Don't you think this? And so what this employee who was talking to me said is, see, every time he says in retrospect, that's because he's making us go back and like reconsider our perspective, reconsider our memory. And I was like, it's it's fine. We we can move past it. There's so many other reports now that we can address. Um, I don't really know how to disprove hearsay in that report. Um, now, when you, the, the what you're saying, I've heard a lot from people. I don't really know what to make of this. This is such a weird situation. It's he said, she said, they said, she said. Um, how do I know what to believe? Why don't you come out and tell us all the details? Why don't you go to the board and tell them all the details there? And I think I've I've been trying. That's what I've been doing for years. Um, just today, actually, I saw 
someone posted a video from a meeting in 2020 where I went to the board because they called me to a meeting. It was a seven-hour meeting on November 23rd, 2020. Hard to forget. Three days after my birthday. And they wanted to push me to post these specific transactions related to the cost plan. I finally got the turn to speak, and I asked the chair, Chair Fennell at the time, can I share my screen? I'd like to show you these figures. I'd like to show you the challenges I have with posting these transactions. I'd like for you to see why I can't post it. She said, okay, go ahead. I shared my screen. Immediately, the CAO at the time cut it off and said, this is not a good use of our time. Frankly, if she wants to talk about this, she should meet with our department. Right now is not the time. And then Chair Fennell told me to turn off my screen. I'm, you called me to this meeting. I'm right here. I'm trying to give you this evidence. And now you've shut me down. Every time I try to speak at the board, I don't know if you watch board meetings, you know, for fun. Uh, but Does Chair, anybody? <laughs> yeah. Often you'll find or you'll see Chair Bass say, how long is this going to take? How long is your presentation? Can you shorten it? Because we're in a rush. These people call me to these meetings. I'm not asking to be there. They're calling me to be there. And they're already telling me to hurry up and shut up. I get interrupted while I'm in the middle of a presentation to be told, just want to let you know we're almost out of time. Can I finish my sentence? I would have been finished had you not interrupted and delayed us even more. Um, so I've learned now, after many failed attempts at trying to get the message out there through board meetings, that the board meetings are not going to be the place where I get information out. So now I'm running and I'm answering in a request to be on podcasts, request to interview, request to do debates. Because the only way I'm going to get my message out there is if I'm the one saying it. I can't rely on Lost Coast Outpost to relay my message because they edit it they shorten it they pick out bits and pieces that's why my most recent one of my most recent posts on my facebook campaign page is the full thread where i'm communicating with them so that people can go see everything that i said and not just the bits and pieces that were selected for the article but aren't you worried especially in regards to this upcoming election that if the public is reading those articles and they do read the redacted report, or even if they don't read the redacted report, that's the side that they're going to take is, oh, you're uh, not an effective leader. You're not effective at your job. You are, you know, either the scapegoat or the fall guy for the 2019-2020 fiscal year not being reported, that audit, the 2020-2021 one not being reported on time, that you're going to go down for that because you can't get your message out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, mean, you, I just, you, you reminded me of one of the questions you asked too, uh, whether I'm an effective leader. So this report, this investigation of these complaints in the Pizzagate is all from 2018. In 2020, the auditor controller staff wrote a letter of support for me and they sent it to the board of supervisors and they called in and they read it into the public record. They sent it to Ryan Burns. Ryan Burns published a link to it in one of the articles. This is after Pizzagate. This is after this, uh, you know, this period of conflict in 2018. 
they stayed with me. They stayed in the office during a pandemic when a lot of people resigned their jobs because they didn't want to deal with the stress. I mean, the people in, that work in the auditor controller's office, they don't get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. These aren't high-paying jobs. These are high-taxing jobs. It takes a lot of you, your personal time, your mental health sometimes, and they're still there. And they do it because they enjoy working in, in our office. They like the environment that I've created, the tone at the top, right? In my department is we respect each other. We all do the work that we're supposed to do, and we communicate with each other. These are the people whose opinions matter, the ones that are there actively working with me every day. The people in other departments who don't know me, who don't work with me, who are reading the news or hearing the, someone say that one time or a thing, they don't really know me. They don't work with me. A lot of the complaints I'm seeing online, I'm like, who are you? When, <laughs> I've never worked with you. One of the people who's one of the more uh, frequent commenters against me even told me he was asked to do that because I asked him directly, where are you getting this from? You and I don't work together. And he said, I was asked by my friends to speak up on their behalf. Did he say who the friends were? Nope. No. Figures. But, yeah. Um, when uh, you asked, am I worried about the election and being the scapegoat? Something that I hope you'll understand about me is I've never felt entitled to this job. It is not my right to be the elected auditor controller. It is a privilege. And I've done a really good job. Um, the department has survived the pandemic because of changes I've implemented in the office. It was paper-based when I walked in, in 2017. Everything was paper. When invoices were sent to our office, they were sent by inner office mail. And it was auditor controller staff who were manually inputting each individual invoice into the system to pay. Then they would print the checks, make a copy of the check, staple it to the paper invoice, put it in a box, and go put the box in the vault. Then when it was time to audit, I need these, these invoices. Someone had to go into the vault, dig up boxes, look for the copy of the thing, uh, unstaple it, scan it to send to the auditor, staple it again, put it in. Ridiculous. And then in 2019, when PG&E decided that we don't deserve electricity, and so they shut off everyone's power. It was on a payroll Wednesday, and we had no power and everybody to pay. So we had to carry the check printer across the street to the IT building because they had a generator we could use. We couldn't use the generator in the courthouse because that had to be reserved for the jail. So I'm over there at IT on Wednesday when everyone else has a day off because we don't have electricity. And I, that day I decided this is ridiculous. We are never going to be dependent on power. We can never be caught off guard like this. Because I don't know if you were here when that happened in 2019, PG&E gave us like less than 24 hour notice that they were gonna turn off all the power. Nobody can prepare a county organization in less than 24 hours to go fully virtual or to not require electricity. But because that happened, I started making changes in the office. We bought laptops. We started uh, scanning everything to the network. We're going to be able to retrieve documents electronically. No more going into a pitch black vault. No more taking hours to go find invoices that we can just click on the folders on the network drive. So when the pandemic hit in March of 2020 and we were all sent home, 
our office was able to maintain operations. We did not lose one day of productivity because we were able to seamlessly transition to working remotely. We all had laptops and all of our documents were stored online already. And this saved the department because all the other departments that didn't prepare after the PG&E power shutoffs were now stuck waiting for back-ordered laptops as the rest of the country was buying laptops. And then there were shipping delays because of COVID too. So during that time, when all departments were not really working to do all the office work because they didn't have the resources to, our office was able to fully catch up on its accounts payable backlog. For those beautiful two months, April and May, we were done with the Oreos. We finished brushing our teeth and we celebrated that we caught up 100%, zero invoices in our queue. I was so excited about it, I even posted on Facebook about it. We've caught up. Well, then the laptop started getting delivered and people started adjusting to working from home. And now all of a sudden, the county machine, the hundreds of fiscal staff across all the departments are now back at work generating work. We went from being fully caught up at zero invoices to 1,800 in one day. And we are still a staff of, at that time, six. Why were you a staff at six at that time? Because there were people who had to move away. So we were going to be shut down for who knows how long. We couldn't travel. And there are people who had to move to the Bay Area to care for family or move out of the state to go be close to their family. We lost people for those reasons. Um, we also were already understaffed. We had some vacancies that we hadn't filled yet. And so at the best, uh, during the pandemic, we had six people. During the whole? I think it wasn't until the fall of 2020 that we got up to 10. But for the majority of 2020, we were six people on the best day, two people on the worst day. And so is that why, because there was that big payroll discrepancy where people didn't get paid on time. That happened in 2021, and it wasn't, um, I think people misremember what happened. That was November 19, 2021, a day before my birthday. A lot of I'm things sensing a recurring theme here. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to forget my birthday. Uh, November 19 was the Friday that payday was expected. Um, the payroll system crashed, or it broke that week, and we couldn't get it to finalize payroll. And on... Thursday, the day before, early in the morning, IT couldn't figure it out. We had the vendors on the phone. They couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I'm not going to not pay people. We have to pay them out of accounts payable. And I remember the deputy CAO telling me, no, you don't have to do that. Don't, we're going to fix this. You don't want to spend all your time trying to do that. We're going to get this done. I was like, nope contingency plan. I need to know that we're going to be able to pay employees. I don't know if this payroll thing is going to work. We got to make sure they get paid. So I split up the team and I told this team, all right, you guys go create 2000 vendor profiles so that we can pay 2000 employees. You guys come with me. Let's try to fix it. We couldn't fix the payroll thing, but we paid everybody out of accounts payable. And that's what the delay was from was switching over to doing that. The, um, the delay we're talking about is for some people is they're used to getting paid at 730 in the morning. They got paid at 2 p.m. That was it. Same that, day. That was the delay for the majority of employees. There was an issue with the direct deposit upload file. 
um, we asked another department to help us with creating that file because we didn't have the staffing available. That department helped us, but they inadvertently left off some zeros. And this file is a text file. I don't know if you've ever opened a text file yeah. in WordPad. Oh, it's ridiculous. Nightmare. So you you know you mess up a zero, everything gets skewed. And so what ended up happening is everyone whose pay ended with zero had the decimal place moved over one. So someone who was supposed to get paid $410 ended up getting $4.10. And so we paid those people the very next morning. We paid them the difference, still out of accounts payable because we didn't actually resolve the payroll problem until the Sunday. That was the big delay. It's painted way bigger online. I thought it was way bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Taxes were paid on time, so we didn't incur a 2% penalty on $3 million worth of payroll. Um, that was it. That was the big delay. And then there's other people who are very frequently posting online, employees aren't getting paid. I have no idea what they're talking about. Payroll is being paid timely every Friday. Today, we all got paid. What people are complaining about are things outside of our control, like corrections. One of the biggest challenges for our department is that we have all of the responsibility, but very little control. We are a central service accounting office within a decentralized county. Every department does their own thing. They have their own fiscal staff. They have their own versions of HR, their own versions of IT, their own versions of accounts payable. When employees turn in their time, they're turning it into their department. Their department has to process it and approve it, and then they send it to us. Some departments take months to give us corrections, and when they do give us corrections, it's a batch of a dozen employees. We only have three days to get payroll done every time we do payroll. That's the timeline, three days. So if we can pay 2,000 people in three days, get as many corrections as possible, but we miss maybe 12, we're going to have to catch them in the next cycle. Some for I can understand that for an employee whose card didn't get included. Hey, what gives? I should get paid. I know, and I'm sorry, you're right at the top of the next list. We're going to pay you the next opportunity we can. Payroll is not a situation where I could just write a check real quick and here you go, here's payroll. It's a process. And it also involves paying payroll taxes every time you issue payroll. The IRS has deadlines. You have to pay their taxes before you issue payroll. Otherwise, they penalize you. So it, I can't even do same-day payroll. The fastest I can do is the next day. If I can pay the IRS their portion by 2 p.m. today, then that means I can pay you tomorrow. If your request comes to me at four, I'm so sorry. I have to pay the IRS first and theirs is due by 2 p.m. tomorrow, which means I got to pay you the next day. And I've brought it up to supervisors in individual meetings where I've asked, is there a fund? Can we make a fund where the county just pools money and when the situation comes up, maybe I can pull the money from there so I can pay the employee and they don't have to wait for the IRS? to be paid first, but there's no there's no way to accomplish that because these are public funds. Mm-hmm. Out of where am I going to get advanced public funds to yeah. just hold in a pool? And it's that's the challenge is trying to get people to understand 
that this is not like a private business where they have all the owners have all the control of whatever they do with their money. Here we're talking government, we're talking bureaucracy, we're talking red tape. And I'm trying my best to eliminate as much as red tape as possible that isn't mandated or that won't get me in trouble or anyone in my office in trouble. But that's the reality is this is government and sometimes I can't do everything you want when you want it. Is that, would that be resolved too by having more staff? Because then you're working with in that three-day time, or could that three-day time period be extended if they get it to you quicker? Can they do, is that The three-day time or? period can't be extended because timesheets are due on Monday of the week of payroll and we have to issue payroll by Thursday. So they're due Monday at three, which gives us two hours of Monday to do it. We never can because they're not turned in completely. So we actually don't, get to start payroll until Tuesday. So then we have Tuesday, we have Wednesday, it has to be done by Thursday at two. And there's been times where the board has called me to a board meeting on a payroll Tuesday. And they've I've had to sit there for four to six hours. And I, I it's infuriating. So I'm like, all we accomplished was you voted to have another meeting. I could have been doing payroll the last six hours. But in one year. And now payroll is outsourced? No. Oh, it's still, you're still handling it? Yes. Oh. The county tried to outsource payroll in 2020 because HR could not do payroll. So they tried to outsource it to ADP. I tried to warn them all, this is not the solution. You should put payroll back in the auditor controller's office. That's where it belongs. ADP is not going to be able to figure out your really convoluted payroll structure. We have a very convoluted payroll structure in this county. No other counties do things the way we do in this county. We have six different bargaining groups, all get paid different things, all get different incentives at different times for different reasons. And our payroll is to the fifth decimal point. What? That yeah. seems weird. To the fifth decimal point. ADP couldn't even handle five decimal points. Why so is it structured that way? That's how it was set up uh, whenever it was set up. I don't know. At this point, it would be a big undertaking to change it. There would have to be meet and confers with all the unions, and there would have to be parity adjustments because one decimal point or one decimal could affect someone's pay significantly is what I'm told is the reason why we can't. But just knowing that off the bat, the ADP couldn't handle five decimals, like, I said, this is not the way to go, but they did it anyway. And then ADP and HR figured out it's not going to work. And half a million dollars later, they terminated the agreement with ADP. So they did outsource it for a period and paid that fee. They never got to go live. But they had to pay the half mm -hmm. a million dollars. It was 300 and something thousand to terminate the contract. But then there were also reimbursements for their travel and Stuff like that. And you voiced those concerns prior to the board. Yes. Before this all went down. Yes. And nobody took account of that. No. I even went to a board meeting when ADP was there to present. And I wanted them to have the full information. So in front of ADP, in front of all their salespeople, I said, let me tell you why this is not a good idea. And I showed them the software that we have. It's called Finance Enterprise. I said, you're already paying for a payroll software. We're already using it. It already lives here. All you need to do is learn how to use it better. And you don't need to outsource it.
and then they outsourced or they tried to outsource it. So then when the ADP contract was terminated and we had nothing to show for it, payroll stayed in HR. It got to the point where there was no staff in HR to do payroll. None. They had all left, uh, except for one extra help employee. And the HR director at that time, Linda Lee, approached me and asked me to help. And I said, I wish I could help. I don't have enough staff on my own department to come to your department to help. How would that even work? And she said, I don't mean come help us. Can you take it? She wanted to give it back to you. Take it. <laughs> yes. And I was surprised because I had been asking to get payroll back since 2019 and then in 2020, I stopped asking. I was like, they're never going to give it back. They want to keep spending the public's money on outsourcing it and on consultants. They can answer to the voters when it's time for them to be reelected. And the first thing I said to her was, that's not going to happen. She said, why? And I said, no one here is going to go for it. And yes, absolutely, payroll belongs in the auditor controller's office, without a doubt. I don't think you're going to get the support to do it. What I didn't know is that she had already been working with MGO, a CPA firm that the county hired to help the county with all of its stuff, who did a study of payroll and actually told Linda, you need to give payroll back to the auditor controller's office. Because nobody else was going to take it. Because it didn't belong anywhere else. No other department had the expertise in payroll law or in payroll taxes or in accounts payable or with the system itself to be able to do it. And they made it happen. I told them that if I were to come out and support them and say I'm with them, people would be turned off by it at the county because there's been so much conflict. Um, and so they kind of lobbied. They spoke with the CAO. They met with each of the five supervisors. I got to join them on those meetings with the supervisors and just be there to answer their questions. And then it was time to go to the board meeting and the discussion happened and the board voted yes and I was so surprised and I thought oh is this real I'm is payroll really coming back to our office okay and we've had it since September of last year September of 21 mm -hmm. and well that's interesting that they would give it back to you and then what in November they did the vote of no confidence yeah what they also didn't want to really talk about is that in November the, the CAO's office implemented a hot fix in our financial software against my objection. I said they shouldn't do it because it hadn't been tested. Hot fix for? Finance Enterprise. Mm. It's a separate upgrade that gets installed. It broke everything. It broke our journal entries module. It broke our cash receipts module, our accounts payable module, and it broke our payroll module. And that was November 6th. The first payroll cycle that we did since the hotfix was November 19. Yeah. And now we know uh, the workarounds because now we've had to adjust to a new software with this hotfix installed. Now we know what extra steps we have to take to work around some of the glitches um, we still get caught up in them sometimes, like this week, actually, there was a, 
the same kind of thing that happened in November where pay histories weren't getting deleted. And so every time we hit go, it said there's already something there and it would just stop. We encountered that again this week, but because we had that experience from November, I knew exactly how to troubleshoot it. Did you check this? Did you check this? Let's go look at that. And then we found the problem. I was like, this is exactly what it was in November 19. And we were able to finish it and payroll got paid today. And so the CAO implements the hotfix, crashes the system, and you, your department gets blamed for that? Or how does that play out? Yeah, pretty much. Um so the CAO's office is a combination of different divisions. They do have divisions. Auditor Controller's office doesn't. They have IT, they have purchasing, ADA, communications, and economic development. And their own what they call management and budget team. So the IT division, the centralized IT, is part of the CAO's department. Uh, they chose to implement this hotfix without our sign-off. And because we needed to work together, let me turn this off, we needed to work together in order to make payroll happen. We were in having finally good camaraderie. We were all there for the shared goal of getting everybody paid. So I made the choice to not out them at the time for having done the hotfix. I signed on to a joint announcement with the CAO explaining the situation to the employees, to the public. I answered the press in a unified front. The next board meeting where they wanted to talk about what happened November 19, the CAO realizing that she couldn't throw me under the bus because I would have just been like, wait, you, you think this is me? Look at what you just did with the hotfix. I was very surprised to see at that board meeting that she instead shifted blame to DHHS. And the DHHS director got offended. Like, if it was my fault, you should have told me. And I just thought, oh my God, everyone here is so fearful of accountability, so fearful of acknowledging that they've made a mistake, that when I'm not available to be the scapegoat, they'll turn on each other. And I don't fault the department heads for doing that. I fault the board because they're the ones that set the tone at the top. They're the ones who set the workplace environment. And it's because of how penalizing they are, how harsh they are with certain people that they don't like, that others then become afraid to say that maybe they've made a mistake because they don't want to face the same thing that the other person had to face. So sh the CAO was the one that came forward and said it was DHHS and they were the they were at fault for what had happened. The CAO herself, of course, is not the one that clicks the button mm -hmm. to implement it. She's responsible for the actions of her department, just like I'm responsible for the actions of mine. I think there were several things that went wrong in that payroll cycle. The system crashing is what stopped us from paying out of the payroll module. But there were problems with the way time was reported. Uh, DHHS did use a bad code that did generate errors when we tried to run payroll. And I think that's what the CAO was trying to highlight is that they use bad codes if they hadn't used bad codes. But that was just a deflection. And you were not aware that that hotfix was going into place? I knew the hotfix was going into place. I knew that I told them not to, 
but I also didn't get any reports about it. I didn't get a, a, you know. Oh, so you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know at what point in time. Uh, I knew it was going to happen because they were asking me to sign off on it. And I said, no, we have not had a chance to test it. I just got payroll. I haven't tested the payroll module at all. I've only tested the small portion that was assigned to us. Um, so I said, no. And then they were saying it has to happen and that it's going to happen. And when can they schedule it? And I said, well, if you're going to do it, that's up to you. I'm not signing off on it. Please make sure it's not during operation, hours of operation, because if the system crashes while we're trying to work, that's going to be a problem. So they scheduled it for the weekend. And that I at least knew that they were going to do it over the weekend. The next week, I didn't know that there was going to be a problem with payroll because we didn't have to run a payroll cycle. I would, I would have only known that there was a problem in payroll if I was doing a payroll cycle. And that's the three days that I have available the week of payroll. So then what leads into the vote of no confidence from the board? Um, the, f <laughs> the first time they did it, because they tried to do it a second time. That was because they received a letter from the Workforce Development Board saying that which they also, voted. Which also did a vote of no confidence. Oh, is that what you were just going to say? Yeah. Right there? yeah. They did their own vote of no mm -hmm. confidence, which was a surprise to me because none of them tried to talk to me. I didn't even know who they were. Um, I wasn't invited to their meeting. to, So I never even got an opportunity to speak for myself. I just found out about it because it was in the news. Um, it's just an extension of the CAO. The Workforce Development Board, is, the liaison is economic development. It's a division of the CAO. The person who was the chair or the head, I don't know what they call the main person of that board, um, is related to the former CAO. Uh, she also owns a local business that provides uh, temp workers and had a contract with the county to provide temp workers. We had been reaching out to them for months, asking for help. Do you have any workers? Do you have anybody that you can send to us? They never replied. And then here's the owner of this business that never replied, saying that she can't work with us. It felt very rigged. Um, and it's they're all friends of a certain supervisor who likes to antagonize me. So they wrote their letter. They didn't even send it to me. Uh, I found out. Oh, actually, you know, the first time I found out about it is because Ryan Burns forwarded it to me. And when he forwarded it to me, I could see who forwarded it to him, Virginia Bass. And I was like, wow, you sent it to Ryan Burns before you sent it to me. And that letter was, um, it was from department heads, county employees? No, it was from the Workforce Development Board. It was just from them? Yeah. And so they did their vote of no confidence, and I guess that gave the idea to uh, the board. Or actually, I was, reading, I was reading an article. I thought I said it was from some department heads were on there too, as well. So there's been several letters written. One was About, the Workforce Development Board. That's what triggered the okay, vote of no confidence. Okay, I think confidence. I'm thinking of a different. There was another letter that was like three weeks before the vote of no confidence, and in it they had threatened litigation against. Oh yeah, the, the anonymous board. people. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was an anonymous letter that had people behind it that threatened litigation against the county, against elected officials. They were saying all this stuff in reference yeah. to you and your department. 
Yeah, that is actually the 2021 investigation report that Mm -hmm. no one has given me. Uh, So we're back to 2018, except in the future. Uh, In the summer of... I'm sorry, I should have told you, like, this is going to be a fun one. In the summer of 2021, there was a letter written by the Arcata Fire Police Department chief to the board, expressing his dissatisfaction that his invoices weren't being paid timely. I communicated with him directly, and I provided him historical context. You've sent us invoices, we've paid them. What's your beef? Um, And he, you know, he replied, I replied, and then we both acknowledged that we're all just overworked and overstressed, and that this is not how we want to work together, and we committed to moving on. So we resolved it. But then that letter was used by the CAO to convince the board that an investigation was necessary. That's what triggered the 2021 investigation. Then six anonymous people wrote a letter, not even threatening litigation, just asking the board or telling the board to do something. It never said, or we're going to sue. It just said, we're going to do whatever we can or something like that. Um, I've yet to be told who these people are, though I can kind of guess who they are. Uh, I've never been told what the accusations are, the dates that I did the things they're accusing me of. And that's been going on since 2021, supposedly. And then all of a sudden, during campaign season, it's a thing to vote on now. Um, When the board voted to censure me a couple weeks ago, it looked like they had been provided evidence of wrongdoing. There is no evidence of wrongdoing. What they provided is a summary report that said the findings were sustained. A summary, I think it was one page, one or two pages maybe. And... It was that, you, yeah, sustained. They found that you had engaged in retaliatory, harassing, and or bullying behavior, and that your financial decisions increased staff workload and caused financial losses to the county. No evidence. No evidence. Nope. And so do you, how do you take that? This is now your second investigation. Oh, Along I... the similar path, basically not a great work environment, you're producing errors you're not handling the job is the second one a slap in the face or what is that (laughs) um because a recurring theme here is that all these department heads say are, are saying that they're reaching out to you for guidance for help and that you're not responding and they're not getting anything back from your department and that's why they're going ahead and doing these because i think the Fortuna Union High School District also did a vote of no competence. Yeah, that is another friend of a certain supervisor. Uh, is this Virginia Bass? No. Rexbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this friend I've never met or spoken with or worked with. Uh, and he also made accusations that I disproved pretty quickly with evidence. But it doesn't matter. They still get to do whatever they want to do. And even though I provide evidence to Ryan Burns, who was the only one asking at the time, he still didn't report my side. 
And whenever I do make presentations to the board that are detailed with spreadsheets and data, Ryan Burns reports it as intricate spreadsheets or got getting in the weeds or like just dismisses the information that I'm sharing. Uh, what you'll see in the 2021 summary, or they actually released it for the public because Ryan Burns got a copy of it before everyone else did. Of the whole report? No. there just No one summary. has seen this whole report. It's just a summary. It's a one, one or two, one and a half page summary. Um, it says that majority agreed that that was the case. So they interviewed all these people who are already saying that this is happening. And because all of them agree, they're sustained. There is no evidence. And also, I would challenge this investigator that they are not qualified to make the determination that I've increased workloads that have uh, unnecessarily, whatever they said, cost money or something? Um, yeah, cost financial losses to the county. You know what great change I made is I required receipts. I require documentation. I require reconciliations. Yes, that's going to mean that you have to do more work if you've never done these things before. If you've never had to provide receipts, if you've never had to reconcile your claims, if you've never had to gather backup, but now you do. Yes, that is additional work. But the opinion that it's not worth it or that it's not worth the trouble that's what I wholeheartedly disagree with because it's not for the convenience of the departments. It's to serve the public because the public deserves accountability and transparency. And it also protects public funds for us to know that reports are accurate because then it prevents a lawsuit later. This is something that people aren't hearing either. Is, you know, DHHS, I'll say them because she keeps writing fund letters. Um, she says, I've cost her so much money because she can't claim for reimbursement. For example, this $300,000 that recently was in the news that they said they needed from the general fund because they couldn't claim it. So first of all, the general fund has always been fronting DHHS cash because their funds were historically always negative. The cash has to come from somewhere. It's the general fund. Second, the amount, that $300 that they're saying they lost, there is no proof that they've lost any money. And even in the staff report, it says that those are estimates that they got in an email from the CAO. There's no official letter from the feds or from the state that says, hey, county, we're not going to give you $300,000. And what they're also saying is they couldn't claim it for reimbursement because it hadn't posted. How can you lose money that you didn't have to spend? Why would you feel entitled to get reimbursed for something you just said you didn't pay? That's the big story about their $300,000 is that they didn't have to pay this, so they didn't get to reimburse it. And is it even real money? I don't know because they got it in an email from the CAO. I'm up against a lot of misinformation to begin with, and then most people don't really understand the function of the auditor controller or the way that government financing works. Yeah. Do you feel like there's some sort of concerted effort against you? 
Yes. And I don't think that's a secret. Mm-hmm. I think they've been very vocal about it. Um, is it because you're not willing to play ball or not willing to... Why? Why? Where would all of that... Why would all of these department heads and the Board of Soups and these people... Why would they not want you to be in office? Several reasons. Um, they've been trying... Not all of them. Uh, yeah, it's primarily Rex Bone and Virginia Bass are well, your so antagonists. The, the first time Rex Bone ever saw me was when I was the assistant and I went to ask them for help. And immediately said he would have shit himself and fired somebody. It hasn't gotten any better since. Um, so he's had something against me since before I took office. I didn't even know who he was. We've we don't have we don't run in the same circles. I don't know anything about him. He doesn't really know anything about me. But he's had it out for me since then. Um, same thing with Virginia Bass. I've never worked with them prior to working at the county, but they decided early on that they did not want me there. Now, um, have you heard about the state controller's office and their investigation? Into you? Into the county. No. Um, They, I think it was in November that they sent a letter and they were going to send a team up here to investigate why the 1920 financial transactions report hadn't been completed. And they were going to determine whether it was because of incompetence, which is what a lot of people at the county were trying to suggest, or if it was because the county did not have adequate internal controls to allow for the auditor controller to file the report. They told me what all of the complaints were, right? When they came and investigated, they did an actual investigation where they heard people's perspectives and then they asked for proof. And what they said to me was, what we've been told is that you did not train departments or let them know what it is that they needed to turn in. And I said, yes, I did. They said, prove it. I sent them 60 different pieces of evidence, 60 different trainings that I hosted, countywide, specific to departments, and instructional manuals. I've created guides with screenshots and pictures and colors I've hosted trainings uh, in person. We, I rented the Sequoia Conference Center, and there were 70 people that showed up from all departments. I was able to provide the state controller the sign-in sheet so they could see how everyone signed that attended. All of the complainants were on that sign-in sheet. I, showed, I sent them forwarded emails of all of the times I had to send the training guides and the training manuals. I've done my due diligence to train everybody, I just don't know how to make accountants out of people who aren't accountants. And then there's turnover at the departments. So I spend all my time training one person, then they're gone. Now it's a new person. Now I got to train this new person because the department doesn't have processes in place to for succession planning. If one person leaves, all of the knowledge goes out with them. They don't, what did they find in the report? They haven't issued their final report yet. Their work, they're going to send us a draft. What I understand from my communications with the state controller is that I was able to prove that I've trained these departments, that I've communicated what the expectations are. Um, their findings are related to the departments. They need to hire accountants to do accounting work or prioritize training their staff in accounting so that they'll know how to do accounting work. I, I mean, just recently on the Facebook, there was a former 
department head who is currently very active and vocal about how much she doesn't support me, where she said that in her experience working with me, I never responded to her. I would take months to respond to her or sign her claims for funding. And so I was able to post screenshots of every single time that we had these conversations about her claims. And the longest I ever took to respond to her was two days. The quickest, two minutes. And she's over there saying months. That seems to be another recurring theme from a lot of department heads is that you're not responding to emails and it's hard to get a hold of you. Did you get a hold of me? Yeah. I mean, it, to be fair, I had to I had to work a little bit to get you on, but mm-hmm. I just assume that's because, I mean, this is a podcast. I assume that if I was a department head, it'd be a little easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have my cell phone number. If you can't reach me by email, department heads know they can call me, they can text me. We're all on Facebook. They know how to reach me. Did she respond when you countered with any of that? No. No. Didn't say anything? Nope. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect or that I'm always right and everyone else is always wrong. What I'm saying is that the characterizations they're sharing with the world about me are not fair. Um, In some cases are completely fabricated. Like, no, I didn't offer you weed. Stop saying that. Um, You got to eat pizza. Don't say I didn't give you pizza. I answered your email. Maybe it wasn't in the first five minutes, but I answered your email. I signed your claim. Your bill got paid. What I need departments to do, I don't know that they ever will, but I would really appreciate if they came out and said and recognized that even though they're not hearing from me right away, I'm not alone in the department. There's other people there who are actively responding because I can't be everything for everyone. I can't answer every single thing all the time. I delegate. So if they're getting responses from people in the department, then they're getting responses from me. We are we are a team. We are the auditor controller's office. I still don't quite understand why everyone is pointing the finger at you though. There with all these allegations, with the mm-hmm. with the Pizzagate thing, with these department heads saying you're not responding, with the information around missing payroll and these bills not being paid why i don't get why what is it about you what if is it because you're trying to buck the system or i think one of the reasons why department heads may be resentful of me is because i've had to speak difficult truths about the operations within their departments i think that when they hear me say things like Cash isn't being protected in this department. This department didn't reconcile this. This department didn't keep track of this. Um, This department didn't send me an invoice to pay. They're taking it very personally and feeling like I am attacking them. I think they're having a hard time recognizing that I am saying this happened, not that person did this. That's funny that you say that because I was just thinking about that. Um, I mean, you've made quite a few claims, mm-hmm. especially with, I believe one of them was DHHS had burned cash and had cash stolen and only reported that to police and not to you. 
that the board of supervisors was illegally taxing growers. Well, that's true. That's they, true. Yeah, they got sued and they lost the court. What, what about the they lost the board of supervisors lost that. Mm-hmm. The, I have not heard about that. Yeah, the court determined that the county was unlawfully taxing people for Measure S. They passed an amendment to a voter-approved tax, but that amendment wasn't voter-approved. You can't tax people without their consent, or I guess you can in some places. But because they didn't have voter approval to change the tax, the court said this was wrong. And the county had to refund. And the board had done that intentionally? Tried to slip it under the radar? or The board acts on the recommendations of their staff. So the board is successful when their staff make good recommendations and when their county council protects them from breaking laws. In this case, with the Measure S, the board was trusting their CAO and was trusting their county council that they were allowed to do what they voted to do. And they were not. No. So this is one where I won't blame the board. But just like department heads are responsible for the actions of their department, the board is responsible for the actions of their council and their CAO. What about the claims against DHHS? And the cash. Oh, well, that's true. That There's evidence for that. Um, and it's not something that I had to go and find. This is something that DHHS staff communicated to us. I learned from them that uh, one of their offices had been broken into and that their petty cash box was stolen along with drugs and medication. Um, I learned from them that there was a police report. They sent me the police report. Um, And the reason I learned from them is because they sent in requests to have their petty cash box replenished. I require receipts. Where are the receipts that prove you need to be replenished? And it took months for them to finally admit that there are no receipts because it was actually stolen. Oh, they didn't want to admit that to you. Mm -hmm. So there's evidence of this. And DHHS knows because they had to tell me. See, that's interesting because one in reading the articles about that, it was painted that there was no evidence, that these were baseless claims you were bringing to the table. Those And I, there was one against Rex um, of just, you know, being a part of the good old boys club, putting pressure on his staff to push things through and fund contracts that weren't approved or something like that. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't have to make baseless claims. I There's evidence of that. I have direct experience. It's even been reported on the Time Standard that I have direct experience with Supervisor Bone abusing his power and trying to push for preferential treatment using his position. Uh, there's email evidence where he delegated, that he told somebody else to email me and ask for the special treatment because Rex Bone wants to deliver a check to his friends. That's, that's the way it was described. And then I said no. And I don't care about his friends. Like, I'm doing my job. Everyone should be his friends, right? We should be treating everybody the same. And Rex Bone replied to my email. So it's he can't even hide behind saying someone else did it in my name. He chose to reply in that email. But you And you have proof of that? Yes. 
it's it's in the news. You can Google Time Standard. Well, I mean, I'm just going off in the the Board of Supervisors meeting where that was presented. He was playing it off like he was being smeared and that that was, of course, not true. <laughs> and that he, would, he wouldn't do that and that these are all just baseless claims. Yep. Uh, when I said all those things to the board, I got to stand there and say it. Uh, and then they had me sit at the table. So I sat there and I watched as all these department heads lined up to the podium to say that, you know, this is never true. I've never seen this, whatever. And every time any of the supervisors asked if I had proof, yes. Did you take any of that proof there with you? They all already have it. The, n nothing that I said at that meeting is new or something that I haven't shared with these people before. But does the public have that? Does the public have access to any of that information? Um, Yes and no. So the, actually, most of it, yes. I won't say most of it. Yes, and they're going to get it. Because after I made that presentation to the board, there was a member of the public who turned in a PRA request. PRA stands for Public Records Act. And they asked for all of the documentation related to the claims that I made at that board meeting. And so that will be released? It's already been released. I think to date we've released over 120 documents. Um, through that PRA, it takes time because each one has to be reviewed and redacted for confidential information, and it's each individual upload. And it's not like I have a public information officer or a marketing team or a public relations person. I have accountants. So we do our work, and then as we're able, then we're doing PRAs too. And so where can people go to find that? Uh, the website is called nextrequest.gov. It's also linked through the Humboldt County website. They, um, you can see all of the Public Records Act requests that people make of all departments. Is anybody reporting on that, that this, uh, these documents are being put out there? Yes. There's a – shoot, I don't remember the website off the top of my head. Uh, the Humboldt. Oh, shoot. I, can I send that to you later? Yeah, that yeah. Link? and I can, okay. I can throw it um, in the description. Thanks. Uh, I know his name is Thomas Edrington. He was sending a lot of PRAs to my office, and I kept wondering, who is this person? Why does he keep PRAing? <laughs> don't I have enough to do? Stop PRAing things. Um, and I got to meet him, uh, and on March 15th, when I went to do my campaign announcement, he helped me with my podium. He helped me carry my podium up the courthouse steps. It was a very interesting situation. And when I met him, I was like, you're the one. <laughs> you're the guy that's been sending all these PRAs. Um, so he submitted that PRA. He requested that it be made public. One of the things about that next request, you can turn in a PRA, but they won't necessarily publish it to the public. They'll give you the information. Mm -hmm. He requested that his request be made public. And then he also started a website. That's the one that I'm going to send you a link to where he's linking to all of those documents. Is he a reporter? Um, or just a concerned citizen? Or I don't know if he would call himself a reporter. I know that he has been interested in county politics for a long time be, uh, because he did work with cannabis consulting and he was intrigued by cannabis laws as they were becoming legal or the legalization of marijuana. So I know that's when he started paying attention to what was going on at the county. And he's been keeping up since. Hmm. 
Well, that's good that he's out there doing that. Yeah. I had not heard anything about that. Everything I could find was that, you know, you were throwing out some very serious claims and that everyone that was on the receiving end of that was saying, uh, we were blindsided by this. This is not happening. We don't know where this, this came out of left field. We would have liked to have been, you know, had this information brought to us beforehand because this, what do we say? We, this is nothing. We, we don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. Maybe they forgot. Do you think that? No. <laughs> no, I don't think they forgot. Maybe in some of the, them, for some of them, they might not have known because I work with their staff. So they're, they are directors of their departments. And remember I told you they all have their own fiscal, their own HR. So then they have deputies who act on their behalf with regard to finances. So that's who I work with primarily. When issues come up, like the cash at DHHS, I know that she knows because I met with her and I told her about it. I had a conversation with her about it. That she shouldn't be acting like she doesn't know. We talked. I looked in your eyes. This happened. Um, there was a claim I made about the sheriff's office and how a car... Yeah, it was marked as sold and then resold or something that was donated. Yeah, and the sheriff himself was not there that day, so it was his, one of his his deputy, the one that we work with primarily, who went to the mic, and she was very careful to not say it's not true. If it is true, then we're sorry, and we want to know about it. I felt like that was misleading, because guess who told us? we learned from the sheriff's department that this had happened. And that's one of the documents that's already been released in that PRA to prove it was this department that told us about the vehicle. So if it's all true, is this just an incompetence across a wide variety of departments at varying levels and it all kind of falls on you because you're the culminating factor for all of this. All of these receipts and everything have to go through you. So then you just get scapegoated because you're the one that sees all of it or. So I do have the bird's eye view of the situation. Each department knows what that department is doing. That's their world. For DHHS, she knows DHHS. She has no idea what's going on at the library. She doesn't know what probation's doing over there because that's probation. That's the library. She's focused on DHHS. She knows that she feels slighted because I didn't pay her bill right away. I didn't pay her whatever right away. Probation knows probation. They don't know what's happening at planning and building. They're offended because they also didn't get their bill paid right away. All of them have these experiences that are legitimate. I can't pay everything all at once. My staff of four people in accounts payable can't handle the work of the hundred of fiscal staff across all these other departments. We're keeping up. We have a two-week to three-week turnaround, but that's known ahead of time. But I can understand that their frustrations, once they start voicing it to each other and they're all agreeing that, yeah, it does take too long. She didn't answer my email. She didn't even answer mine too. What they're not seeing is what I'm seeing. I'm the bird's eye view I know what all of them are doing. 
because it's all flowing through our financial software that we have access to. I know what the needs are as I'm getting them from the departments. What sheriff's office might not be understanding that is that while they're waiting for a response, I'm over here helping planning and building. What the library doesn't understand, why their email isn't getting answered, I'm over here helping probation. I'm trying to help everybody, but I can't help them all at once. So what they are all, uh, what they're experiencing is that echo chamber. They're all having to wait. They're all feeling frustrated. They tend to forget that time that I was busy helping them because they only remember that time that I wasn't helping them. Meanwhile, I can't sleep because I'm constantly working, <laughs> trying to keep up with all of them. The staff in the office is stressed out, is overworked. We're working so much overtime trying to keep up. We share with the supervisors, we need more staff. We've given you enough staff. You've given us positions that we can't fill. That's not the same as giving us more staff. Positions you can't fill because nobody wants the job or? Several reasons why we couldn't fill a lot of positions. One is the when payroll was transferred to our office, it came with a payroll position that was filled by an employee on leave. While the employee is on leave, we can't hire. That position is held. That position wasn't released until last month. And we've had payroll since September. So who was doing the payroll? Me. You were doing it for them because they were on leave? Yes. And then I get criticized. She shouldn't be doing payroll. She's the auditor controller. I know I shouldn't be doing payroll. But I don't have a payroll specialist because that position is on leave. And I can't uh, recruit somebody from another company where they're getting benefits to come work for us as extra help with no benefits. And I actually don't really mind that I had to do payroll because I was able to learn it. Um, I know the system very well. What I didn't know were all the other things that payroll was doing. But there's no better way to learn how to swim than to be thrown in the pool, right? So now we have instructional manuals. We have guides. I've been able to train other staff. Now there's two other people who I've taught how to do payroll, who are doing payroll on their own. I don't need to babysit them. I don't need to watch and hover over them anymore. They can do it. Um, now I can move on to other tasks. Now I might even have a couple hours at the end of the week to talk to someone about what's going on. So is staffing the biggest factor um, that is hurting you from completing these deadlines? The biggest? Or what? Because, I mean, I one of the big things as I was compiling my little... And I want you to here, know that I am loving all of these questions. Oh, great. Thank you so much for asking them. Yeah, well, I my hope in doing this is that... Because I have, going into this, I had no idea who to believe. I didn't know if I should be believing the Board of Soups and that there's some incompetence. I didn't know if I should believe in you and that there's incompetence against them and these other department heads. It's very clouded for someone just taking an outside perspective who isn't involved in local politics and is just 
figuring out what the hell's going on. Why? What is the auditor controller? Why is she in the news all the time? Why are people bashing her? Is it justified? Is it warranted? But that being said, one of the things that keeps coming up is these deadlines that keep getting missed. I'm looking through my notes here to try to find. Um, uh, John Ford, their office was having to ve- develop a budget based on estimated fund balances because um, the county's single audit for two years in a row wasn't submitted on time. Um, the county can't apply for allotted funding, $4.4 million in community development block grant funding because of failure to complete and file, 14.3 in funding for the state's Bureau of Cannabis. Um, interest apportionment has not taken place for the fiscal year 2020 to 2021 and 21-22. Statutory deadlines for, for reporting property taxes not being met. Um, the fiscal year 2019 to 20 single audit was two months past due following a six months six month extension failure to respond to IRS regarding payroll tax discrepancies, which cost the county one hundred and seventy three thousand twenty two dollars in penalties, assessments and liens. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? I'll talk about all of them. So what I mean, you hear these lobbyist reports not submitted timely fourteen thousand dollar in penalties. Failure to pay timely for vendors resulting in late fees, employee expense claims, child support payments, election poll, worker stipends. I mean, there are valid claims that something is not running smoothly because mm-hmm. things, deadlines are not being met, which as someone who's not even in finance can understand that's a problem. But as someone from the outside can also understand the county has not run well. I don't know if that's a a overarching theme across all government you hear that from a lot of different people but here in Humboldt County especially there are governmental problems and there's a lot of red tape and so hearing that list and you're over there kind of smiling and I'm very excited to hear what you have to say what when you hear that what comes to mind what is holding you up from hitting these deadlines because that's a long list and that's just a few of the things that have not been met on time yeah, what you're reading is the staff report that's going to be on the agenda yeah. for Tuesday. Oh, so it's coming? Okay, I'm going to have to see that. Oh, I I'm gonna hope have to see you that do. Um, there's, so I, I think it's being published right now as we see here. I think that's, I, I pulled that directly from the staff report. Yeah, they they presented it a couple weeks ago. And then, uh, but I was at a conference. They knew I was at a conference. And then, you know, Ryan posted an article absent auditor controller delays the conversation they should have just waited for me to get back but now they're bringing it again and what i noticed in that staff report from a couple weeks ago is there were 40 items it was one list copy pasted twice you see the same things repeated uh once at the top and then once at the bottom to get you 40 items so right off the bat i'm like okay you're trying to make it look like it's a lot more two some of the things on that list i'm not responsible for Lobbyist reports, those are filed by the CAO, not by the Auditor Controller's Office. Not sure why I'm taking responsibility for a report I don't file. The election stipends, I have email documentation from the clerk recorder herself acknowledging that they didn't send them to us to pay. How was I going to pay something I didn't even know I had to pay? When they did send them to us, we paid them right away. And they had to be broken out in two parts because the election workers, some of them are members of the public, some of them are county employees. If they are members of the public, we pay them out of accounts payable. 
if they are county employees, they get paid out of payroll. So they're paid at different times. When the elections office sent us the list, the first thing we had to do for them is separate out which ones are employees. We let them know. Then they send us the batches through accounts payable. They said, these are all the people that have to get paid. We prepared the payments and they were sent. Later, they wanted us to pay employees. They wanted to know why we hadn't paid employees yet. And I asked, can you send me the email when you sent us the information to pay the employees? And then they replied, acknowledging, so sorry, it was never sent to you. Okay. Can you send it to me now? <laughs> but see, that's crazy because they're blaming you for it. So if, it, if the holdup is on their end because they failed to send you what you needed or whatever, and then they point the blame at you, that's kind of a problem. It is because I have the evidence to disprove it. You have the evidence for all that? Yep. Of course, that's why I'm smiling. That's why I'm not crying all the time. That's why I'm not worried. It's because I know that I'm telling the truth and I know that I can back it up with evidence. The reason why you have anonymous complaints, the reason why there's all these private investigations that no one's allowed to know about is because there's nothing there. Sue me. Let's go to court. What will we have to do in court? Bring evidence. What rights will I have in court? I'll be able to face my accusers. I'll be able to see the evidence and provide counter evidence. I don't have those rights here. Here, everything's anonymous, and I can't see it, but it gets leaked to Ryan Burns, who will write a story without asking me for my response. What about, I mean, the $173,000 to the IRS or the state attorney general having to step in? I mean, yeah, the IRS, that's pretty serious. The IRS one, we've beat that one to death, I don't know how many times, but they want to keep bringing it up. I file taxes timely for payroll taxes. Haven't missed one yet for the quarterlies. The IRS made a mistake in this case and said that I hadn't filed the taxes. So what I did is I sent them screenshots of their confirmation screens. I had to fax them because they don't accept emails. I printed all of the screenshots, all the confirmation pages, and showing the date and time that the payments were made. And I sent them all to the IRS for every quarter that they said we hadn't paid. They released the lien because of it. But here we are on the list still. What were those? Did Was the county still fine that money? The money had to be paid in order for the liens to be released. But they only released them because I had evidence that I had already paid them. But the county's still out that money. But that we, wasn't... No, we've turned in forms to get it back. So nobody's talking about that. No. But we're going to talk about it on Tuesday. Wow. And so the state attorney general's involvement. That one was a very interesting situation. Um, I work with the state controller's office. The state controller's office is divided into different branches. There's the cost plan, the single audit, property tax, uh, special programs, a bunch of different. Oh, and then the financial transactions report, which is the one that the attorney general was asking about. When the financial transactions report people emailed me asking for the, re the report, I said, we don't have audited numbers. They said, that's fine. We'll take unaudited numbers. Okay. We were still posting transactions. I didn't even have finalized numbers yet. Departments were still sending them to me. 
At the same time, the state controller's office sent the cost plan analysts to our county. They were physically here, and I was working with them for several weeks on that same fiscal year, 1920, going over the cost plan and the charges for that. So while I'm working with the state controller's office, the state controller's office felt like they weren't getting responses because I was talking to the wrong group. When the letter from the attorney general came, I was working with the state controller's office because they were here investigating the financial transactions report. So the group that was involved in that branch, the financial transactions report, they didn't even know that the attorney general had sent me this letter asking for the thing that I'm working on with the state controller's office because it was different people within that branch. So when the state controller people that I'm talking to tell me they had no idea about it, that was my response to Ryan Burns. That was my response to the board. If you go back to watch that board meeting, the CAO gave them the same response because she and I were working with the same state controller's office people. So she also said, that's my understanding as well because she separately communicated with the state controller's office who also told her they had nothing to do with it. So then the Ryan Burns reaches out again to the attorney general and state controller and they say that yes, they did send that request. It was different people from who we were working with. And then when that was clarified, he wrote a story as if I had misled people. Yes, I believe what I had read was that there was some confusion on your end and that you had said they sent it in error, I believe. That's what I believed because that's what I was told by the state controller's office. Because you were working with them already. Yes. And I'm so glad that I can point to the video of the board meeting where the CAO is saying that's what she got too. From when she communicated to the state And the CAO, we should say, because we keep referencing her, it's Alicia, right? Alicia Hayes? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It seems like she keeps coming up a lot when these when these problems keep coming to the surface. It's a very surface. small, small government organization. You know, it's the same key players. Mm-hmm. Um, when Ryan Burns wrote that story, I got mad and I emailed him and I was like, what's your problem? Or I texted him. I don't know. I think I texted him. And I said, why are you, do you believe that I'm lying? Why would you make people think that I'm misleading them? You know that that, that that was the best information I had at the time. The CAO said the same thing. And he's like, he said that he didn't feel like he was lying when he said that I got it wrong. Okay. No, you just omitted that she also got it wrong. Convenient. Mm-hmm. But that's video evidence. That's not even an email. That's video evidence. Yeah, you do seem very confident. You seem like you have a lot. I mean, I, I haven't seen the information yet, so I can only speak in theory. But it, if you do have all of this evidence, it seems like you're sitting in a good spot except for the fact that I'm not quite sure how much of that the public is getting. Yeah. Um, I have a campaign team and people, volunteers, people who want me to win, and they're telling me the same thing. Yeah. And my answer, I'm too busy doing the job to run for the job. I don't, you know, my, my opponent is retired. Her campaign group is mostly retired people. They have all the time in the world. 
They're also being backed by people who work at the county, who have insider knowledge about what they're doing in their departments, who have their connections. They have the benefit of already being there at the county to talk to other people about the county and who they support. It should be very telling that the people supporting my opponent are all county employees and their spouses and their friends. Um, my department is just 12 people and they're too busy working. So you're not going to see them in the comment sections during work hours and you're not going to see them at my campaign kickoffs because they're, they need time off. They have weekends. Um, I am, I have a website where I'm trying my best to put information there as often as I can. I'm responding to Lost Coast elections questions as I'm able. I have my Facebook page that all of a sudden is getting a lot of attention. That, that has been in the news quite a lot recently. I, the, it's so weird. Lost Coast Outpost Facebook keeps comments. trying to like defame me, but they're also making me very popular. You are very, you are very polarizing. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that a lot of people either really support you or are not not big fans. There's not really a whole lot of in-between. Yeah. I don't really know what to do about that or how to... I don't know. If what you're, if what you're saying is true mm-hmm. and you do have this information um, and it is a lot, it, it, it does pan out, you know, that it's not... Your hands are kind of tied to some extent with what's been going on. Mm-hmm. My fear would be that you don't win the election and that the status quo gets reverted back with whoever takes the office and all the progress that has been made gets, you know, switched back. And then in 10 years, we're going to have the same problem where somebody tries to come and fix a broken system and get shut out. And I think part of that stems from getting the information. I mean, if this is true and the allegations that you're putting out is true and people are trying to pan it out the other way that you're just coming out swinging from the hip and that you have no facts and no evidence and you're defaming people that's important Mm -hmm. and and that needs to be heard by the public because that's that's a serious thing this is i mean this is local government but it's important it's people's money it's their taxes it's what they work for getting squandered and people should know that Mm -hmm. and I, i can see how it's hard trying to get that out but because you do seem very focused on your job. You do seem like that's your priority is that you believe you were elected here and you have a job to do for the public, which is admirable. If that's how you really feel like that's a great quality and that's how all local government should be. But you don't want to get too wrapped up in that where, I mean, at some point you do have to play the political game, right? You have to show or not play the political game, but you have to show the public, hey, this is what they're doing in the back room. This is what I'm up against. This is the problem. Because if it if what you're saying is true, people need to know that so that they can have an informed decision when they go to the polls. That's the most important thing is they need all the information that when they go into that booth and vote for who they're going to vote for, they know exactly what they're getting in their candidate. Yeah. Um, it, so <laughs> your listeners should probably know this is all coincidence because the answer I posted about the... On the Las Coast elections page this week was a question, um, it was called verification of payments, where it asked both candidates, if elected or reelected, will you require that 
people, you know, you get all timesheets uh, for pay, all receipts for reimbursements, and all contracts before you issue a payment. And I, my answer was, I do, and I will. And I had, I also included examples of times where I've had to compromise, where I've had to play the political game. Um, and the examples I use are where DHHS didn't have contracts for a lot of payments, a lot of services they were getting, and my office rejected them. We're not paying these. There's no contract. Who are these people? Why, why are we paying them? And the director, Connie Beck, got upset, and she complained to county council and to the CAO and to the board, and she said that I was holding up their department. I was causing all the problems. And so I compromised, and I said, okay, I still am beholden to the public. That's who I serve. I'm not just going to give you a free pass and issue hundreds of thousands of dollars for things without contracts. So I wrote, I created a template for a letter of intent where she had to acknowledge that she does not have a contract for this. She will within six months. And in the meantime, this is the service that she's getting. This is the rate that she's going to pay for this service. And this is the vendor for whom these payments are for for whom the payments are, sorry. And I gave it to her and I said, for every invoice that you want us to pay that you don't have a contract for, you will fill out this letter of intent. And we have so many of those now, but it provides the public the accountability and the transparency that they deserve. There's gonna be documentation about why we're issuing these payments or else I'm not issuing them. I did the same thing with the sheriff and payroll. When we got payroll back, I was mortified to learn that some sheriff employees don't turn in timesheets. How do you not turn in timesheets, but we're paying you hundreds of hours of overtime? And nobody was batting an eye? And what I understood from the sheriff's department is nobody was asking them for it, and their answer to me was that I should trust them and that the deputies can't be bothered like they're too busy to do it so they just tell their supervisor what they worked and then their supervisors send an email to the business office and that's the payroll and I thought no we need timesheets and they need to be approved they need to be signed we need evidence that these employees are saying they worked this because later let's say they dispute it and they say you didn't pay me enough I worked more hours what do I have to protect the county how is the county going to be protected in the event that someone disputes what the county is paying. When they retire and they go to CalPERS, they could tell CalPERS, actually, I'm entitled to more retirement payout because I worked more hours. Then CalPERS is gonna come to the county and say, this employee is disputing what you've reported to us. Where's the evidence? We won't have any. Mm -hmm. That was my fear when I said going back to the status quo is it seems like a lot of this is just government officials playing outside of the lines but because they're all you know that good old boys club was something that i kept running into when i was talking about your confrontation with members of the soups you know board of supervisors was that you know in that world you have to play you play this ball game and my fear is that if you are doing this work we don't want to backtrack like you got to tighten the reins a little bit sometimes and you have to play within the rules mm -hmm. and some people don't want to do that no but when i took office my first my biggest goal was succession planning 
because I know I am not entitled to this job. It does not belong to me. I serve the public. The public can choose that they want somebody else. But my goal is to make sure that the department can survive. It shouldn't ever rely on any one person. I could get hit by a bus walking outside. And then what? The whole county gets to suffer just because I knew everything? No. So I immediately started training all of the staff in the auditor controller's office. The reason that they support me is because I empower them to know how to do their job, to look for resources on their own. I don't use all of our money to send myself to conferences all the time, even though I was just at one. I've sent them away to trainings. I've sent them to the nice hotels that are part of the conferences. They've gotten to go leave this place, go learn what the real world is like, and then come back and practice what you've learned. What I've told them is, I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Your signature is your word. Do not sign anything that you can't attest is true. And if I see your signature on something that I find to be fraudulent, you are on your own. If you do everything by the book and you follow all the laws, I will always have your back. The second that you start lying, you're out. And I've maintained that since day one with them. So while I am concerned that this narrative will win and I will need to leave the office, I'm also trusting the staff. They now know what it looks like to do the job. They now know and understand why we have to do the job the way that we do. And I have to rely on them to want to do the right thing. I don't know that all of them would stay if I'm not there because they've communicated that they might not want to. And that does concern me because then it'll be all new people under the direction of a different person who serves at the pleasure of the board. How do you feel about your odds right now? I know the election's in June, but... Same as I did four years ago. Uh, four years ago, I was up against four supervisors who were uh, campaigning for the other person. Department heads weren't really supporting me. I didn't really know what I was doing with politics. Kind of same thing now. <laughs> I got three supervisors working against me, but more department heads being vocal about not wanting me there. Um, I'm still an accountant. Like in my mind, I'm an accountant. I don't really do the politician stuff very well. Um, so it's kind of, I don't feel like I'm better or worse than I was four years ago in terms of chances for winning. Uh, in terms of the work that I do, I'm a lot better four years in. I'm more measured in how I communicate to other departments. I am more patient with people. I understand that we all learn at different paces. We all learn in different styles. I might be able to read 59 pages of a report. Someone else might prefer a video. Someone else might prefer to train by doing themselves. I'm understanding more about learning styles and communication styles. I'm an extrovert. I don't shy away from conflict. I'll look people in the eye and not feel fear. I'll be at a board meeting you know, to having a back and forth with a certain supervisor that other people are afraid to even look at. I understand that other people need time to process. They're introverts. They don't want to make decisions right away because they want to consider everything 
I can be impulsive when I need to because I know that decisions need to be made fast. Uh, so I'm continuing to learn, and I feel like four years in, I'm a lot more knowledgeable about interpersonal communications than I was four years ago. And I will continue to work on informing the public. I will continue posting information as I can to my website and to my campaign page. I will continue showing up at the board meetings when they are scheduled adequately and I have, and it's not payroll. Um, but I, uh, I feel kind of zen about the whole situation. I don't cry anymore when I read bad comments online. Well, that's good. You should not read the comments. I used that's to. It's never beneficial. So, you know what changed it for me is someone said when I was feeling really down about somebody commenting, and I was like, they don't even know me. They were like, your booze don't hurt me. I've seen what you cheer for. It's a good quote. Blew me away. Ever since then, I don't care. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about me online. You don't know me. And as soon as I jump in the comments, crickets in some cases, like this week. Do you feel like if you win again and you continue on as the auditor controller, do you feel like the county is in a position where you can start meeting these deadlines in a timely fashion, or do you feel like that is still out of your department's control? The county as a whole needs to improve. Um, we're definitely in a better spot now, regardless of if I win or lose, because I've been able to train more staff. So the reason you haven't heard any new headlines about hundreds of people not getting paid or payroll being so late is because I've trained them, and now there's two people doing it and sometimes three if I'm jumping in there with them. Um, you're not hearing from special districts that their bills aren't getting paid because now we have more trained staff. They've been doing the job longer. Um, where we, we still need more staff, there's still a lot of room for improvement, but I think we're steady now. And be, with the pandemic kind of coming down from the unstable, are we working tomorrow? Are we not? I don't know we're becoming more stable as a department. If I win, I see that stability continuing to, do, to so what's like a, we'll see less instability. It'll kind of solidify a little bit for you. You can That's, balance out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by being reelected, it is also the public's way of communicating to the board and the department heads enough that's who we put in the office. Let her do her job. Because then in two years, it'll be other supervisors' turns to run for re-election. And the way that they behave now will come up again in two years. They will have to answer for their behaviors today. I'm very excited for that meeting on Tuesday. Me too. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Pretty that sure it's out. Tuesday. They might make a special one on Monday. I don't know. I never I, know until it's published for the public. Do they? Oh, and when is that? Is that normally a day? Friday or two? afternoon. Friday. Okay. I did want to ask about uh Do you mind cars? if we take a quick pause? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we've been going for a we, while. Yeah, we can. Oh, it's already two and a half hours. Goodness gracious. We can, we can wrap this up. I did just want to ask about the PARS mm -hmm. situation because I didn't quite understand it. Okay. Oh, that one's a, that one's a good one. Uh, and can you say what... PARS is the public agency's retirement services. Yeah. Let me, can I take this call real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, Okay. 
I, I'm still here. No, but... no problem. I have to go pick someone up. No problem. But, um, I do. I want to answer all your questions. No, I, we'll definitely have to have you back on. I know we ran a little late. We were just, we were uh, getting into it. We can wrap it up right well, now. Well, like how you. Sorry. Oh. No, you're fine. <laughs> like how you said the public needs to hear this. Yeah. It's because I never have time to do it. And today I finally have time. So I feel like let's catch up yeah. on all the things. I, I hope that enough people listen to this and form their own opinions. And, and if nothing else, do the work of looking into what you are actually saying instead of just reading the articles. Because as someone who has read the articles and a lot of them to prepare for this, mm-hmm. it gets very skewed. And it's not necessarily in your in your favor. And mm-hmm. if I was more inclined to just go at face value, you know, it would it would sway somebody. And I think after sitting here and talking with you, I I'm still alarmed because again, if it's true, it's a big deal. And like we need to acknowledge that that's not okay, that those people need to start stepping up and that shit needs to change. Mm-hmm. So that's alarming, but that's alarming in a better way than if the reverse is true and that you're just failing at your job. Like that sucks as well, you mm-hmm. know? But after talking to you, it seems like you are knowledgeable. It seems like you have a good head on your shoulders. You're not just slandering people to slander people. It seems like you have this idea that your your value is your service to the public right now yes. and that's what you're trying to do and i hope people just look into that and just check it out and watch the board of soups meeting on tuesday because i think that's going to be interesting yeah and i'll leave you with the one other thing that i tell the staff in my department um in addition to it's usually part of a script i say i'll never tell you to do anything i wouldn't do and uh if you if i can't point to a document or to a law or to a guideline or to some evidence about why something or why I'm saying something, why I'm asking you to do something, then I'm lying and you need to call me out. I say that to all of the staff in the Auditor Controller's office. So to you, you don't have to believe everything I say. Ask me for proof. And if I don't have it, then I'm lying and you need to call me out. Okay, well, I'm excited to see the proof. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so Karen. Much. I had a blast. It was great talking with you. We will uh we'll definitely have to have you on again. Thank you. This. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys.